Holy Hour of Power, two-man <laughs> car, T. This is the TJ Show. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I'm on duty. What about you, Terry? Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jesse knows I'm fired up, and I'm fired up because I'm so excited that God has given us the opportunity to speak with a biblical worldview that he's given to his church for 2,000 years and we get to do this every single day. And I want to thank all of our listeners Amen. who give us that opportunity to do it. Because Jess and I couldn't think of anything else we'd want to do. Believe me, Jess, uh, fire a, a policeman for over 20 years and then uh, has dedicated his life to evangelization. The guy's up and down the country, around the world, preaching the Word of God. I can't think of a better thing to be doing. Jesse, today's topics that you picked, and I'll give you credit for that because... You do a lot of the picking, brother, and it's good. Uh, the Senate on Senadality Retreat, what's that look like? Folks, you're going to be blown away by what they're telling the people that are participating in this month-long Senate. It has nothing to do with truth. It has everything to do with feelings. Mm. That. Also, uh, the panelists sidestepped the apostolic tradition question at the Vatican press briefing. It's almost like, again... We, we've got amnesia. None of these people want to talk about what our Lord taught, the Lord's way. We want this synodal way. So I think that we're going to talk about that. And Jesse, this, uh, what we call need to know file, this is sickening. I mean, just sickening. The disgrace here, check this out. Disgraced Father Marco Rubnik. Everybody remembers him. He's the guy that was abusing women sexually, doing all kinds of horrible things in the Catholic Church. He finally got deposed taken out of the Jesuit order. And in spite of all that, Jesse, he's now being incarnated into a diocese despite his history of abuse. Can you imagine that? that, that he, is, he, is he the priest that was raping nuns? I wasn't going to say that. Yes, unfortunate. It's a scandal. He was. But you know what? Our good friend, Father Frank Pavone, hey, hey he, was, he was getting involved with politics. He was saying you can't be a, a Democrat and a Catholic. And he gets his priesthood removed. See, Jess, it all comes back down to being in the boys' club with the Jesuits. I'm, I, hey, I never said that on the air, but I really believe that depending on who you know, okay, and what officials are up in the Vatican, you can get away with rape and murder. Really? Uh, yes. So that's something that we need to pray that this man is stopped because he's obviously going to be continuing to do his actions. Uh, you know, this is just sad. Also, good news here now. Georgia Supreme Court, Jess, it rules in favor of pro-life heartbeat. More states are doing it. You know what I noticed about all the states that are doing it, Jess? I'll just be honest with you. Mm. They're, they're going along party lines. Yeah, the, the, mm. the Democratic Party's platform says kill unborn babies. The Republican Party platform says no, we're for pro-life. So I can't get any simpler. One last one, Jess. The CDC wants to wants pregnant women to get four vaccines, more and more women are saying no. And it seems like the, the, the uh, Center for Disease Control Prevention, they lost a lot of credibility when we were in this so-called oh, pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Right? All right. I'm they're discredited, Terry. They are. They are. Everybody knows they're a propaganda piece for yeah. the woke left. Uh, something else uh, yes. on the need-to-know file, yeah. activists are pushing for the sexualization of children in California. California doctors are urging, uh, urges you fellow U.S. pediatricians to be more inclusive. 
So a U.S. pediatrician is suggesting colleagues adopt more inclusive language when talking to children about sex and body parts. This all comes in the midst of a nationwide battles for parental rights and the safeguarding of children in many states. Certain liberal-led states have pushed to become so-called trans sanctuaries and even block parents from preventing their confused children from getting sexually mutilating surgeries. California Republican Senator Scott Wilk decried his state's push for trans ideology. He said this in June, quote, if you love your children, you need to flee California. You need to flee now. Close quote. This is California Republican State Senator Scott Wilk. God bless also, this Saturday, I'm going to be at uh, in Modesto speaking at Our Lady of Fatima Catholic Church at a men's conference with uh, my friend John Sablon, a young Catholic lay evangelist. And my brother Johnny's going to be speaking with the famous UFC fighter, UFC legend, uh, Boss Rutten. He's going to be speaking at uh, St. Kateri Catholic Church in Santa Clarita this Saturday, October 28th, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Also, Terry yes. Cardinal Ratzinger yes. did take a swipe at the Jesuits in the Ratzinger Report. He certainly did. <laughs> yeah. On page 55, this is the chapter where he talks about priests and bishops. And he says this, quote, he says, Indeed, it has often been the traditionally most educated orders, Mm -hmm. the intellectually best equipped orders that have undergone the gravest crisis. Well said. I wonder who he's talking about. The Jesuits, of course. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? In that same book, Jesse... He, 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 things so much apply to us today. His Ratzinger report talked about your ecclesiology as being very important in understanding who Jesus Christ is and his church. And the point, he says, some people look on the church as the bride of Christ, which they should. That's exactly what the church has always taught. But others, and I believe many others today, especially at this Senate that just took place, they see the church as like a club that you vote on. It's majority vote. There's nothing about objective truth. It's all about how do you feel. And so I think Ratzinger's report exposed both those items. That's my take, Jess. And here's one other thing, Terry, I think that would be for a good uh, show one of these days. His one, this one chapter I'm looking at, he, he's called Danger Signs. And here's what he says yeah. that's happened to many theologians. He says, for many theologians... Theology has become individualistic. In other words, for them, it's no longer our Father who art in heaven. It's my Father. It's not, uh, you know, uh, the theology has become individualistic, and they've detached themselves from the ecclesiology of the church. He's got a whole chapter on that, which I find fascinating, because I see that happening right now. Yeah, it's my truth, your truth. Yes. Jesse, we hear that. My God, my Father, yes. no, yeah, no, no. My, my, my Jesus, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how you get you know, error in. All right, wow, Jesse, let's get some gospel food. We need, some, need some, some soul food, brother. Yep, let's get some soul food. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Today's Gospel, Luke chapter 12, verse 39 to 48. Jesus said to his disciples, <clears throat> be sure of this, if the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not let, let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared. For an out for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. So that's a direct reference to the second coming of Christ. It will come in an unexpected time. So do, don't think you can go on YouTube and type in some Catholic so-called mystic that's going to tell you when Jesus is going to come back. No, nobody knows. Then the Bible says, 
Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, who then is the faithful and prudent steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the, begins to beat the men servants and maid servants to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and an, and an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him a place with the unfaithful. The servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely. But the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. This is the key to the, the, this entire parable right here. Right here. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much. And still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, Jesse, uh, you and I on the radio have much to be accountable for Mm -hmm. at our death. More than just the guy who's at home. The The average lay Catholic. Now, let's go to the next step. A priest, right? who's a, a, a shepherd for souls. Remember what John Vianney said, that, you know, they, he takes thousands of souls either to hell or, or to, heaven. to heaven. And then let's go even further. Bishops and even the Pope. Ultimate responsibility of salvation of souls. Highest office. Highest office? Are you kidding me? That's going to be tough. Hey, let's bring the smartest guy into yep. the room real quick. If yep. Good. Full Sheen ahead. This is interesting, Jesse. It's about parent-child relationship. Bishop Sheen says... The secret of the parent-child relationship is for the parent to say to the child, I ask for obedience because I'm responsible to you, to God, for you. Yes, that's a great point. The child, in his turn, should say to himself, In obeying my parents, I'm obeying God, for they take the place in my home. I think that if we had this God-centered approach with parents today, rather than, oh, let your son tell him how he feels, okay? I want to hear what he thinks. No, we, we are, parents need to give them the gospel. We need to give them that God has uh, commandments that we need to follow. Get those, for those Ten Commandments memorized early as possible for the kids so they know the fundamental uh, understanding of who God is and who they are. Because without that, they're not going to make it. That's my take, Jess. Yeah. Uh, this, this young parish priest, Father Jay Scottman, yeah. Scott Newman, says, Catholics are yearning to hear the gospel preached with life-changing conviction and to receive the grace of God in the sacred mysteries of our redemption, celebrate it with beauty and dignity and reverence. But but for that to happen in our parishes, it's necessary for parish priests be deeply converted disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ who have given their entire lives to the Great Commission. Gosh, sign that priest up. I'd like to have him as my pastor. Whoa, when we come back, let's talk about the Senate. And the retreat that took place. What was going on there to set the stage for healing rather than talk? Yes, we're back again, and I made a promise. We're going to talk about a retreat that took place before the Senate, before the Senate on synodality, and uh, let's. Uh, Let's kind of talk about who, who, who was in charge of this retreat and what was his um, theme 
because really uh, it's a theme that he was trying to really inculcate into the people there for this past month. Go ahead. Terry, the person in charge of this retreat yeah. uh, for the Synod of Synodality yeah. is a priest by the name of Father Timothy Radcliffe. Yeah. He's a, a classic modernist. Yep. He's a prominent, notorious pro-LGBT priest right. who says women suffer from patriarchy. And you'll also find in this article that he mm-hmm. buys into the whole Black Lives Matter agenda of right. white guilt propaganda. Yeah, can you imagine what he said about, yeah. I'm, I'm a white, a male, I'm sorry, I apologize I for apologize. that? I apologize, I apologize. Give me that. a break. So so maybe they, then, then disqualify yourself from leading this synod on stupidity. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, this, during a retreat for participants yeah. in the synod and synodality, the delegates were urged to listen to one another and to come together despite different understandings of the church. See, yeah. the ecclesiology is all messed up right now, There's no truth. It's what's your opinion. What's your yeah. opinion on truth? Yeah. The, yeah, the church is, is not top-down. It's not hierarchical. Nope. Nope. Uh, Father Timothy Radcliffe, a, 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 a man of the left, he says, quote, we may be divided by different hopes. He <laughs> said this in a retreat meditation on October 1st. He says, but if we listen to the Lord and to each other... Seeking to understand his will for the church and the world, we shall be united in a hope that transcends all our disagreements. Oh, that's flowery music. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this is complete serendipity talk, Terry. <laughs> exactly. This is the serendipity 70s once again. Exactly. In the live stream retreat meditations, delegates have been urged to embrace, their, embrace your differences, express their doubts, and cast away their fears. Whether it is the fear that the synod will dramatically change the church or the fear that nothing will change. Yeah. Father Radcliffe, the modernist, began the first meditation of the retreat on October 1st by saying, quote, I'm deeply aware of my personal limitations. This is this is so it's, stupid. I can't even I believe can't I, I can't believe a, a, a priest said this. He yeah. says, this is a Catholic priest. Yeah. I'm old, white, Western and a man. Oh, that's terrible. You're just disqualified. And I don't know which is worse. <laughs> All these aspects of my identity limit my understanding. So I ask your forgiveness for the inadequacy of my words. Terry, this guy it. has bought into the woke worldliness, BLM yep. propaganda, the spirit of this age. And not the spirit of Christ. That's for No, sure. he's been brainwashed by the zeitgeist, the yep. spirit of this age. This is pathetic it is sad. rhetoric from a Catholic priest, Harry. This is the equivalent of the Catholic bishop in uh, El Paso, Texas, <laughs> kneeling down before a Black Lives Matter, a Black Lives Matter flag. Yeah. Keep going, uh, Jesse. This is so yeah. bad. But, you know, it, it really comes back down to is how does everybody feel? And this is how they want to direct the church. You have your church, your truth. I have my truth. And you see, the yeah. church has he never said, had that. Yeah, it says it in the next page. He says, he urged the delegate <clears throat> to journey towards a church where people who do not yet feel at home in the church yeah. are placed at the center. Yeah. He says, our lives are nourished by beloved traditions and devotions. If they are lost, we grieve. But also we remember those who do not yet feel at home in the church, women who feel that they are too unrecognized, in a patriarchy of old white men like me. People who feel that the church is too Western, too Latin, too colonial. Yeah. 
Man, this guy is off the charts. And, and, and he's in a position of power because the people at the top of the church put him there. Let's just be honest. Continue. He says, we must journey towards a church in which they are no longer at the margin, but at the center. Terry, this is what's called in, in our, our culture. This is classic virtue signaling. Exactly, Jeff. Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. Virtue signaling, for those of you that don't know what it is, it's the public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. Uh, and it, it's noticeable how often virtual signaling consists of people saying that they hate things like, you know, you know, standing on the sidelines saying how awful the situation is, does nothing except to massage their ego by virtue signaling. He's massaging his ego. That's all he's doing. And, and, and Jesse, let me just mention something that you would think when you go to a retreat, you'd hear something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, like a meditation. So let, let's, let me just say what he's, his meditation, it's not on Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you the first two meditations looking at two sources of division in the Catholic Church, which he described as conflicting hopes and different visions of the church at home. Nothing about Jesus. He says, different understanding of the church at home. Tear us apart today. For some of it is defined by the ancient traditions and devotions, its inherited structures and language, the church we have all grown up with and love. It gives us clear Christian identity. For others, the present church does not seem to be a safe home. It is experienced wow. as exclusive, marginalizing many people, women, divorced, remarried. For some of it is too Western. Uh, you know, Jesse, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to read that somebody would state this as a priest on a religion, as, as a retreat. He has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, nothing about uh, the person of Jesus Christ and everything about the world. Continue, Jess. Oh. It, the, the, the retreat master whose statements on homosexuality, yeah. he's, he's pro-homosexual, by the way. Of course way. he is. He's already stated that. Yeah. yeah. Have previously sparked controversy, highlighted how the document guiding synod discussions the instrumentum laboris mentions also gay people and people in polygamous marriages. Again, Jesse, why doesn't this guy, if he's a priest, he made a promise when he was ordained to proclaim the deposit of faith. If someone's living in objective sin, you don't pat him on the back and say, come on in, it's okay, Johnny. No, you call him to repent, get them to go to confession. Give them the light of Christ, not the world. Okay, I'm sorry, Jess, I jumped in like that, but it's asinine to be hearing a priest not talk about Christ and to talk about worldly ideas. It's just total opposite. Continue. No mention of Jesus right nothing, here or nothing. repent or convert You're or amend your dude. life or contrition yeah. or compunction. No, none, none of that. He says they long for a renewed church in which they will feel fully at home, recognized, affirmed, and safe. So he's talking about polygamous people. Yeah. Polygam and he's talking about uh, uh, you know people in homosexual unions. Forget about those commandments. Go ahead. Yeah. He says, for some idea of a universal welcome in which everyone is accepted regardless of who they are <laughs> is felt as destructive of the church's identity. <laughs> they believe that identity demands boundaries, but for others, it is the very heart of the church's identity to be open. Pope Francis said the church is called on to be the house of the father, which doors always are wide open. Father Radcliffe described how the 365 voting members have different hopes and fears for the three-week assembly on synodality. He says this, <laughs> some hope that the church will change dramatically, 
that we shall take radical decisions, for example, about the role of women in the church. Others are afraid of exactly these same changes and fear that they will only lead to division, even schism, he said. So let us begin by praying that the Lord will free our hearts from fear. For some, this is the fear of change. And for others, the fear that nothing will change. But the only thing we have to fear is, is fear itself. <laughs> uh, uh, and so each day of the Synod retreat at the Fraterna Dominus Retreat Center from October 1st to the 3rd begins with morning prayer, concludes with Mass. Benedictine Mother Ignazia Angelina offers two daily meditations, as does Father Radcliffe. He, here's, here's the kicker. With the conversation set aside for group, here it is, group meetings for conversations in the spirit. What oh. does that mean? That sounds what? very new age. I've me. never heard I, that I, before. Of course not. M- more serendipity talk. Conversations in the spirit. Yeah. That's just a tagline, Terry, that means, Terry, Jess, shut up and listen. Keep your mouth shut. God just spoke to me. And so I don't care what you have to say. God just spoke to me. I had a conversation in the spirit. And that's also what it means when uh, when the, the, the term is used, um, uh, the God of surprises. Yeah. And you, that, you, you know, Richard did a little study on the God of Surprises. Well, why don't you share it, Terry? No, no, you show. I want to do a show on it. Okay, basically, there's a priest who had lived a very terrible life and uh, an immoral life as a Jesuit. But that's a teaser for another show. I want to do a whole. I story. have it here. It's short. Terry. All right, because I was going to go. Good, give it, Jess. Yeah, God of Surprises. Yeah. Uh, this uh, it was it was <laughs> made by a Catholic with... priest. Yeah. Uh, his I father, this Catholic priest's father, was a depressive. Yep. Two of his sisters took their own lives and he feared that he might follow them, yep. attracted large numbers to his retreats. His record while Catholic chaplain in Glasgow University from 1967 to 1975 of being twice dismissed by the local archbishop and twice reinstated made, made him something of a hero figure for those battling to promote discussion and debate with an authoritarian church. The issues involved in these clash, uh, clashes with authority in Glasgow were emblematic of divisions within contemporary Catholicism. Uh, his first sacking came about because he wrote to his local archbishop <laughs> about his difficulties in accepting Humanae Vitae, Pope Paul VI's controversial 1968 encyclical, and reiterated the church's ban on, the, on all forms of artificial con- contraception. Uh, hereafter, an appeal from his Jesuit provincial, Father Hughes was eventually reinstated. Of course. But four years later, was again out of a job when the archbishop heard he had given communion to non-Catholics, a breach of Catholic rules, but something often done quietly by priests. Once more, the Jesuits stood by Father Hughes, and he was allowed to return. Those Jesuits. So that 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 term, yeah. the God of Surprises, is a Jesuitical term by Father Hughes, who was a dissenter, Ooh-hoo. who uh, who was the chaplain from 1967 to 1975 at Glasgow University. Jesse, thank you for doing that because that really says it all when we hear. And I'll be honest with you, who quotes that? Pope Francis says that the God of Surprises. And so it was good that Richard, our, our engineer, did the study on that because, yeah. you know, what are we referring to? Okay, that. So here, here's the bottom line of that retreat. Nothing to do with Jesus Christ, everything to do about your feelings. And, you know, this reminds me of the old serendipity that I grew up with in high school where this was our religious ed, where they would have us come together in rooms where we would have six or seven people re- work around a, a table, our chairs, just like they're doing in the Senate, and say, how do you feel about this? How do you feel, Johnny, Mary, whoever it is? And it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That was the formation 50 years ago was given to young people. And you wonder why, you know, most of those people are not practicing the faith. They weren't given the faith. 
And so this is why Jess and I are a little upset about what's going on because we keep processing this and saying, oh, we just need to talk more. We just need to dialogue more. Forget about the dialogue, man. Teach them about Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus. And as, as the Bible says in Jude chapter 1, verse 3, contend or fight for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Yeah. That We call that the deposit of faith. Amen. The language that's being used in the synod of, of sin, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's leftist Catholic language, Terry. Yeah. They're saying conversations in the spirit. They're saying the God of surprises. Yeah. They're saying we appeal to this current magisterium. Notice current magisterium. These are modernist phrases yep. that have no basis in scripture or tradition. And these modernists, starting with Father Radcliffe, have contempt for the deposit of faith. Just remember, folks, never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. Jess and I are compelled to speak the truth of Jesus Christ in season and out. Stay with us. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Someone, I've been getting texts saying, you guys are fired up right now. I said, yeah, you know why? We're fired up because we love Jesus Christ. We love our church, okay? And when we see people inside the church trying to disrupt, de- destroy the church from within, as Paul VI said and many others, Pope Pius X said, this, every, this is a concern we have. And so please understand, we just want to see people get to heaven, that's our ultimate goal here. And so when we see people compromising, it, it does get Jess and I fired up. So Jess, our next article is about these this interview that took place this week with panelists. They sidestepped the apostolic tradition questions at the Vatican press briefing. Set the stage on that one, Jess. Yes. Uh, so there's two synod participants mm-hmm. who sidestepped a question about the importance of apostolic tradition yeah. or what we would call divine revelation yeah, we can't or, talk about the, that. or the deposit of faith. Oh my gosh. So they sidestepped this question during Monday's Vatican press briefing, choosing instead to emphasize synodality <laughs> and listening. And listening. <laughs> listening. <laughs> Father Vimal Tirimana, a professor of moral theology from Sri Lanka, and Sister Patricia May- Murray, uh, a religious nun, I'm just, I, I would probably guess Maybe a habitless nun, I'm would, guessing. I would be surprised. The executive secretary of the International Union of Superior Generals said in a press conference that divine revelation and apostolic tradition are present and taken into consideration. <laughs> That's like when di- Jesus. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. That's yeah, it's funny. like a PS. Oh, what did Jesus say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when discussing issues facing the church. So yeah. Here's a, let me make a comment before I keep. It's funny. The synod. Yeah is listening listening to everybody from the bottom up except Jesus. Hey, say that one more time. Okay. The Senate is yeah. listening to everybody's welcomed except except Jesus Christ and his infallible word. Yep. Okay? So the article Father both Father Tirimana and Sister Murray added to their initial answer saying that some issues like the ordination of women or the blessing of same-sex couples, require a synodal mindset and <laughs> lifestyle. That's that's code words for saying that we got to have it. You know, got to change it. Come on. Exactly. 
Of course, different people have different issues. And different. Tiramana said, I can assure you, once the firm foundation of the synod life is laid, those things, particular political or controversial issues, can be built up on that. In one sense, the most important thing is not to address whether, whether women can be ordained or that LGBTQ plus individuals should be accepted or gay marriage should be blessed, he continued. Not that they are not important, but if we are serious about the universal church, a church that is worldwide, we have to lay a firm foundation that includes everybody's interest. In other words, that song, all are welcome, all are welcome. Cut it out, Jess. Yeah. <laughs> so first, we lay the foundation, Yeah. the foundation of a synodal way mm-hmm. and listening church. Mm-hmm. It, automatically, these issues are bound to come sooner, if not later. Sister Murray also agreed that revelation and tradition make up the fundamental basis of discussion at the Synod, but then added that it's it's important to learn how to be a synodal person. Unbelievable. They're making up these terminologies out of whole cloth. They have no basis in the Bible or in tradition, Terry. And you know, Jesse, this whole approach has been going on for a long time, and we've seen the fruitlessness of it. We see... Uh, six and a half people leave compared to one person coming into the Catholic Church. We see this exodus continue to go on, and they're worried about women's ordination and being open to homosexuality when thousands and millions of Catholics are leaving the Catholic Church. It seems almost like they, they don't have any uh, idea what's going on. They're in their own little world. And what they keep forgetting is what we've done in the past— when it comes to evangelization, when we, I mean, we have guys there that that Archbishop and and, and China said, "Hey, I, we don't want to uh, bring people into the baptize people into the church. We just want them to feel better and to live better." See, they they've lost their source. They've lost their focus on Jesus Christ, and they've given into a worldly view that says, "Let everybody feel good." And like I said yesterday, and I know I got people responding, and they said feelings that can take you to hell. See. We can't go. We can't live the gospel by feelings. We have to live the gospel by revealed truth that God has given to us, and not come up with what some people think their own truth. Because there's only one truth, and His name is Jesus Christ. Yep, as Doctor Scott Hahn says, he says feelings and emotions are not a measure of reality. That's right. Yeah, Sister Murray also agreed that revelation and tradition yeah. make up the fundamental basis of discussion at the synod, but then added that it's important to learn how to be a synodal person. One of the key aspects of being a synodal person in a synodal church is to learn to have freedom. She said, yes, I have my own inclinations and things I would like to see happening, but if, but if I really am truly training in the synodal process, I leave those aside. I pray for freedom. I pray for the grace to be truly open to what my brother and sister are sharing and saying. I pray to God's spirit to give me the enlightenment and insight into where we're being drawn as a body, as this communion of people. Notice there's no, Terry, there's no talk of Jesus, sin, repent, nope. uh, metanoia, no. uh, uh, amend your life, uh, contrition. All that language that's been around for 1,900 years, it's gone. It's omitted. It's not, you know what, Jesse? It's a worldly point of view. It, they forget about the biblical worldview of salvation because what they try to say in this synodal re- idea that anybody comes to the church, there's no need for repentance. See? And they just 
miss the gospel message. I mean, look at what we're going to be doing in Lent. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's a biblical term. I don't hear that here. You know what I hear? All are welcomed. You know what? They all are welcomed under Jesus Christ's mandate to repent and believe in the gospel. That's why they're welcomed. I'll tell you what they're promoting, Terry. They're promoting a social gospel. There you go. Yeah. These liberal modernist progressives. Liberal, liberation theology. Yeah. It, they're, they're, they're reducing the gospel of Jesus Christ to peace and justice, to, to, yeah. to social, political issues. They downplay all doctrine and they emphasize only social responsibilities. Uh, that's why they're not, they have no problem calling themselves progressive Catholics. And they Jesse, don't. They'll use that term. Exactly. They'll say we're progressive. progressive. And again, the Bible can the Bible condemns progressive thought. Second John 1, 9 in the New American Bible, That's which right. is the one given to us by the USCCB. So I'm going to quote the USCCB's sure. Bible. It says this. Anyone who is so progressive as not to remain in the teachings of the Christ does not have God. And just Second John 1, 9. And just to verify, Jesse, just recently this week, they, the group went down to the catacombs and they were giving out documentation on liberation theology. They were telling the, the t- delegates, this is the church now. And think about what went on down in South America where a Franciscan priest, the Pan, the, uh, Pan American uh, Senate that went down there, he bragged about this, that he hasn't baptized one person in 40 years, and he thinks this is what God wants of him. See, we've gone to a point where we, we've, we've gone the, the, uh, the uh, horizontal of man, just make him feel good. And we forgot about the vertical about going to heaven. Everything is man-centered on this life, not the next. And that's a problem. What we're seeing right now are two no. prophecies that are, that are just uh, being lived out right now in our very, before our very eyes. Yeah. The prophecies of Akita Japan right now are being lived out. Bishops are fighting against bishops. Cardinals versus cardinals, the Orthodox versus the heterodox in both instances, Orthodox priests versus heterodox priests. We're seeing that war prophesied by Our Lady in Akita, Japan in 1973. And we're also seeing another prophecy of Fulton Sheen. Uh, he, he said that back in the early 70s as well, mm-hmm. that the laity are going to save the church. Yep. Uh, the priests need the good priests and the good bishops need us. Need faithful Catholics, need our prayer power, need our sacramental power, need our holiness, need our voices. This is, uh, we're all in this together. And, and, and right now the prophecies of Fulton Sheen are coming true. The laity are, 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 are called right now to teach our priests how to be priests and teach our bishops how to be bishops. And you know what, Jesse? It's prophetic that Bishop Sheen's beatification, we want to continue to ask people to support that. Uh, the Bishop Sheen Movement.com, where you can sign your name and say, I want to see Fulton Sheen uh, beatified. We've got about 10,000, 12,000 names now of people wanting to do that. And the reason is, is because the church needs Bishop Sheen right now. He is, he, and he's prophetic. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people in the church who do not want to hear what Jesse just said about Fulton Sheen's prof, a prophecy. You know why? Because they want you to shut up. And guess what I would tell them? Jess, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to continue to preach Christ and Him crucified in season and out. Amen, Terry. The last thing that this article says, it says one of the key aspects of, uh, of being a synodal person in a synodal church. Okay, I read the next paragraph. I know that's a complicated answer, <laughs> Sister Murray said. You may say you didn't answer my question, but, but I think 
unless we learn the importance of formation for this way of life, we'd be frustrated and we won't understand what's actually happening or what we're being called to. So I don't know what formation she's talking about, yeah. but we're called to be formed by the word of God. That's what the catechism says. Of course. Hey, but I, I, so I don't know what formation she's what she talking, talking about. about? That's what I said. But, but, but I know, as the Bible says in Psalm 139, uh, Lord, uh, let your light, let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're supposed to be formed by the word of God, not by the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age. <laughs> uh, and the last thing the article says, at synod press conferences, journalists from all over the world, from all over the political spectrum, continue to ask about the role of the Catholic magisterium in the synod and synodality, including synodal discussions of yeah. LGBTQ plus inclusion and the ordination of women. Terry, I'm going to tell you, the Pope <laughs> says one thing about, oh, yeah. you know, we can't have uh, homosexuals. Actions speak getting... louder than words. There yeah. you go. I forget what president said. He says, personnel is, is policy. policy. Exactly. So the Pope may say one thing to an Orthodox audience. Yeah. But when, when he's around the left and around the modernist, Terry, he says something completely different. And not only that, he surrounds himself with modernists. So once again, I go back to either Reagan or, or Kennedy. They said, personnel is policy. If you want to know how the Pope thinks, look at the people that surround him. And I say the same thing about me. Who surrounds me? You're looking at him. Jess Romero. Yep. Yep. Bishop Strickland. Hey, matter of fact, yep. Bishop Strickland's yep. going to be on with us when we come back to talk about the development of doctrine. It's a clip from one of his shows here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Indeed, we're going to... Uh, welcome to our show, America's Bishop, Joseph Strickland, uh, the Bishop of Tyler. He does a weekly show here. If you haven't heard of it, uh, what I would recommend that you do, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and listen to some of the podcasts of Bishop Strickland. He's a straight shooter. That's why we call him America's Bishop. So he's going to be talking a little bit this segment we're going to uh, play a few minutes of on what the church teaches on this idea of development of doctrine and how erroneous others have said this, they use this to change the doctrine, which they can't. So, Mr. Engineer, let's play that clip of Bishop Strickland. Do we believe that Jesus Christ is God's divine son? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and, you know, the sense of the faithful and all the bishops, absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no question of that. And if, if that's our starting point, again, we go back to look at him to look to him, to develop a, a deeper relationship with him, with his word, with the sacraments, with the whole message of the church. Um, but I think that we need to really embrace the, the reality that all of us are children who need to keep learning, who need to keep developing that base of knowledge that helps us to know him. Um, and I think there's a tendency, and it's certainly not new in the church. There's always been this tendency. Sometimes we use the, the word heresy. But what is heretical? It, it basically is departing from what is in conformity with Jesus and the church he established. And I, I think that's what we've, we're constantly—and I think what's good about this 
paragraph 92, is it says the whole body of the faithful. That means every baptized person and every person confirmed in the Holy Spirit in an even deeper way. But really, every baptized person has an obligation to be part of this, to speak to our understanding of, of the, the, the teachings of the faith, of what we believe. So we're all obligated to, to deepen that and to come to a, a, a more profound understanding of what this truth really means. That is, is a challenge. And it, it's something that all of us need to humbly approach, acknowledging that, I mean, there are things that we learned as kids that we hopefully have a deeper understanding of, but it's still, we can always go deeper because ultimately it's a mystery of God revealing himself to us. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of Christ uh, divinely incarnate or incarnate among us as God's divine son. Um, it's the beauty of the word of God, of, of everything that encompasses the, the deposit of faith, of what the church believes, and the attitude that all of us need to, to strengthen and to develop more deeply is this is a, um, a journey of discovery of deeper relationship with Jesus. And it's not inventing something new. And I think there's that tendency in today's world because there are a lot of things. I mean, I like new gadgets that we've invented <laughs> and new things that we've been able to develop that. I mean, there are a lot of things in our lifetime. I mean, it'd be hard for a teenager to believe that these cell phones that we use or this using a computer to zoom yeah. halfway across the country to talk to each other. Yeah. Um, all of this is is new inventions. Yeah. But I think that tendency and to love new inventions and always want something new, it can it can fool us into thinking, oh well, our faith operates the same way. Yeah. And really, our faith calls us deeper, not to something new, but something deeper and more profound of the same truth that we knew. And sometimes, I mean, beautifully, Jesus. And we just celebrated before, at the beginning of this month, St. Teresa of the Little Flower, yeah. the little way. She reminds us, when Jesus says, let the children come to me, he's saying something very profound. Yeah. Because it's a reminder that we adults who think we've got it all figured out and we're so sophisticated and we're so wise, real wisdom, a lot of times we can go back to when, when we were kids. Yeah. And that basic awe before the Lord, that awe before creation, that understanding that this world is, is something deeper than we ever imagined. Wow, Jesse, do you see the difference between a real bishop, and I mean a real bishop who, who loves Jesus Christ? How often did he use the name Jesus Christ and what he did for five minutes? Several times. Almost, almost every other sentence. Yeah, you see the difference between what we had to put up with these two articles are talking about the synodal away, and here we got a bishop who says we need to go deeper into the person of Christ, and you know not change. Uh, you can't change what Christ taught, and so you know my take on him. I I do a show every week with him, and I want those who are listening. This was the November eighth, November twenty second 
I should say, November 22nd show. So if you go to our podcast and you want to hear the whole show, you can do that by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or vmpr.org to get all of his shows. This is the kind of bishop the church needs. And if I was in charge, I'd have him at the Senate running the Senate, Jess. That would be, I know that can't happen because it's at the end now, but this is the kind of leadership the church needs in my, in my understanding. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I see in this synod of synodality amongst a lot of the people that are running this synod. Tell us. us. Okay. There's a list in Father... Every exorcist has this list. There's about, I think, uh, I'm going to say probably about a thousand vices that are listed with with exorcist. They all have this... Every exorcist has what's called an appendix list of sins, vices, or spirits. So they're either sins, vices, or demons that afflict people. Here is the demons or sins or vices that are afflicting the people that are running the synod. Uh, The the sin of convoluted thinking, or it could be the demon of convoluted thinking. The sin of blindness of spirit, or the demon of blindness of spirit. The sin of incredulity or the demon of incredulity. The sin of making excuses for sin or the demon of making excuses for sin. Or the sin of um, will not the sin of not receiving correction or the demon of not receiving correction or the sin of touchiness overcorrection or the or the demon of touchiness overcorrection these are vices these are sins of which demons are attached to that exorcists use this in their solemn sessions to identify the demon that they're dealing with and i can tell you there's about 10 demons that are actively involved and afflicting the people at the leadership of the synod of synodality it is crystal clear Yep. Yes, I'm, I'm just stunned by that because you know what? Every single one of those were like, yep, check, 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 check. Yep. And just the bottom line for us Catholics, the lay people, we're not in management. We're in sales in the sense that we promote the faith, okay? So what can we do? I'll tell you what we can do. Live holy lives, man. We can live Christ-centered lives. We can make reparation for these horrible things that are going on. Uh, with priests being transferred to other dioceses who are who should be in jail for sexual skins of rape and things like that, and this is the kind of stuff that we can't we we don't have the authority to remove them, but we have authority from Jesus Christ to pray for their conversion and to pray for those who made the decision to allow this priest to be moved and allow all this baloney going on because they need our prayers because. They're going to be held accountable. Jesse, you talked about the gospel at the beginning of the show. Much to be given and much to be accounted yes. for. This synod is being uh, being produced by the Catholic Church under the Pope and bishops and cardinals. What a great responsibility they have. So all I can say is let's pray for them for their conversion. Yeah, Terry, I'll tell you, there's no mention of Jesus really in the documents of nope. repentance, nope. metanoia. And there's also no mention of Satan. Yeah. You notice that? Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, there's no Big mention time. of Satan because, again, he's he's friends with a lot of them. Yep. And, and I'll tell you, Father Gabriel Amorth, rest, rest in peace, here's what he says. Yeah. Quote, a Christology that ignores Satan yeah. is crippled 
and will never understand the magnitude of redemption. It is a one-sided gospel. So what we have, Terry, over in the Synod of Synodality, this is the warm, fuzzy, Woodstock hippie social gospel, you know, serendipity where the uh, people yeah. that are participating, yeah. Yeah. they're converting into a bunch of climate change tree huggers <laughs> around a bonfire singing Kumbaya. Yeah. But that doesn't explain why Christ had to die for our sins on the cross. That doesn't explain how, how his death affects our salvation. That warm, fuzzy gospel across the pond, it dodges the four last things that we're all going to face, namely death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Just remember, the superior for the Jesuits a few years ago said it publicly that he doesn't believe in the devil. Do I need to say any more about the Jesuits hmm. and what Father Emmerich just said about those? Jesse, we've lost the supernatural hope in Jesus Christ. We've lost our supernatural belief that Jesus Christ is the true God and true man and that we have to follow his rule. This has nothing to do with our personal opinions. We are outside of that. We have to live by his commandments. And Jess, I want to ask you again, for our lay people that are listening, and most 99% of our lay people, give us a, a recipe for success for us to get to heaven, brother. The five stones of David, 1 Samuel 17. Number one, pray the rosary every day and pray it from your heart. Mm. St. Dominic received the rosary from Our Lady in 1214 AD. Why? To defeat heresy. We're fighting the heresy of modernism right yep. now. Number two, go to Mass as often as possible. Receive the Holy Eucharist as often as possible. Number three, read the Bible every day. Just like Samuel the prophet says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Read the daily Mass readings. I don't care if it's from the old rite or the new rite. Right. Number four, add fasting, penance, and a steady dose of prayer to the, your interior life, to your spiritual life. And number five, go to confession at least once a month. That's what the giants, the spiritual giants of the Catholic Church tell lay people. Yeah, that's a good recipe from the doctor here uh, for spiritual life. We're spiritual fitness trainers. We need to do it ourselves, and we do. Yep. And I want to thank you for joining us. And Jesse, the final thought, what state should we be living in, brother? Last time I checked, live in a state of grace. Yep. Last time I checked, don't live in a state of mortal sin. That's right. Be holy or die trying. Amen. And remember our Lady of Fatima said that souls are going to hell. Yes, hell, there is a hell. Because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's make some sacrifices every day for the salvation of souls. Especially our leaders in our church. They need our prayers. Let's not criticize as much as pray. But do we pray more than we criticize? I hope so. Okay, up next, uh, Matthew Arnold's show coming on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you want to get our free app, go to vmpr.org. Download the app and you'll get all of the shows that we have. May God richly bless you and your family.